Um, but on Good Friday, we had Pastor Greg Johnson here and he shared an incredible message reminding us of the message of Jesus Christ that his work on the cross says to us that it is finished, the power of sin over our lives. And he kind of stole my intro, right? I, did, I could not believe it. I was sitting next to uh, Michelle, his wife, and he was talking about his trip to Israel and I'd already prepared my sermon and I turned to Michelle and I'm like, He's stolen my intro. I can't believe it. So this morning, don't tell him I'm stealing a photograph of his. Is that all right? Um, That's not how I would recommend we operate as Christians. We shouldn't steal. um, But I'm being... being public about it. So, um, no, I'm being silly. Anyhow, right? So anyway, my intro is this, that I remember back December 2016, I remember taking a team to Israel. Who has been to Israel? Has anyone here been to Israel? Like, it's just, and a few people, amazing place to go. It just feels like the Bible comes to life. And so we went and visited all these significant places, right? But a week into the trip, we went to a church called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And, and this is Pastor Greg's photo, not mine. He is a photographer and takes a way better photo. But I remember going to this church and reading up on it. And apparently this was one of the places they believed that Jesus' body was buried. And so they've kind of built a church um, over that place. And so I was, I remember being in the lineup just thinking, wow, this is overwhelming, that this may be the very place where Jesus' body was buried. And so I remember just lining up and we went in there and we weren't allowed to take photos of the actual spot. Anyway, the next day I'm looking at the itinerary for the next day because I'm the leader. I've got to be ahead of the trip. And I'm looking going, oh, okay, so now we're going to the garden tomb. Well, what's that? Well, we arrive at the garden tomb and you're met by guides, people, you know, telling you uh, the place where you are and what the significance is. And so this guy says to us, we believe this is where Jesus was buried. And I'm like, we're all looking at each other going, but yesterday we were at another place where they said Jesus was buried. Like, this is confusing. So anyway, we're going into the tomb and having a look in there and and we, we shared communion together in the garden tomb. It was beautiful. It was an amazing experience, but we couldn't help but just have the conversation like, which place do you reckon? So, you know, some people thought this place, some people thought that place, and we continued our discussion, and I said, well, you know what? There is something that goes for both places, and they're like, what is it? I said, well, you know what? It's a place of burial, but no one's there. No one's been buried there. There is actually no evidence of a body. Like, both tombs were completely empty. Nothing was in there. You see, today we celebrate whatever tomb it is that Jesus is not in that tomb. Why? Because he rose again. It's the greatest news that came on Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago. The resurrection of Jesus was the news that gives us assurance and hope in this life. It's the very foundation of our Christian faith. So I want to read about it this morning and we're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 24 and we're going to read what happened that morning. Very early on Sunday morning, Luke 24, 1-8, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ as they stood there puzzled 
two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. Can you imagine? And the women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of his sinful men and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third day. And verse 8 says this. Then they remembered that he had said this. You know what I love about God? I love that he exceeds all our expectations. You know, in life, we will often have unspoken expectations. We'll come to something and we won't speak about it. But, you know, if it meets our expectation, whether that be a relationship, whether that be our new job, whether it be a car that we've bought or a home, we have unspoken expectations. And when, when whatever meets our expectations, we're satisfied. We're happy. But if it doesn't meet our expectations, then what happens is we become disappointed. We're like, well, I thought that it would be like this. Who, who, who agrees, right? You have expectations and oftentimes they are unspoken, right? Or you have an expectation and what eventuates is actually exceeding your expectations and you are filled with great joy because you didn't expect a great result. That's what happens in life. We have these unspoken expectations. And, you know, the women that came to the tomb that day, they had unspoken expectations. You see, they'd organised themselves to go and buy some spices because they realised that now by day three, the body of Jesus Christ would have started to decay and his body would have started to smell the tomb. And so they loved him. They wanted to honour him. And they were grieving because of the loss and the pain. And so they decided that on the Sunday morning, they would go with these spices and they would anoint his body. You see, they expected to come to anoint the body of Jesus. Heading towards that tomb, they had unspoken expectations. They expected to anoint Jesus' body. They expected to remain in their grief and sorrow. They had developed a relationship with Jesus he loved them. They loved him. And they were so saddened by the brutal way that he had died three days earlier. They expected to be reminded of their loss. You know, when you have someone close to you that passes away and you go to the funeral and maybe there's a viewing there, it's not the nicest thing to be reminded of what you've lost. And this is what these women expected. They expected to be overwhelmed by the disappointment in front of their faces, and they expected to find no life. But their expectations were not fulfilled. In fact, their expectations were exceeded, and they were filled with great joy. The angels announced to them that Jesus had risen and asked them, why? Why are you looking for, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He's not here. He has risen. You know, one thing I find really interesting about what the angels said to these women that day that sometimes we overlook, but today I want to have a look at it, go a little bit closer. This is what they said in verse 6 and 7 of Luke 24. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? 
that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. You see, Jesus had told his disciples, his followers, the women, he had told everyone that was close to him what would happen. This wasn't a great surprise. In fact, we read about it in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, when Jesus was spending some time with his disciples. And it says this, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and that he would be killed, but that on the third day, that he would rise again, that he would be raised from the dead. So they knew that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Can you see that? When we look at Scripture, it's very plain to see, right? But what is astounding is that no one expected it. No one expected Jesus to rise again. How do we know? Well, the Bible says in that passage of Scripture I read with the women coming to the tomb, when they didn't see Jesus' body there, they were puzzled. Now, you think that they would actually, with the knowledge of knowing what Jesus had told them earlier, you would think that they would come to the tomb in anticipation that maybe he'd risen again because they knew. Maybe they'd come with an expectation and anticipation what was going to happen. But we know that that was not the case because they had spices with them. And the spices represented anointing a dead body. So we know confidently that their expectation was to expect death. Do you know we do exactly the same? We do exactly the same. They had been told by Jesus, what to expect. And yet they completely forgot. Who does that every now and then where someone's told you, someone's told you some information that's really important and you completely forget? We all do it, right? Am I in good company? We all forget. But most times when we're in the situation, we'll remember. We'll be like, oh, yes. I remember, I remember that so-and-so said that to me. Oh, yeah, I forgot, but now I remember. Well, you know what's crazy is in this situation, they didn't even remember that. They still didn't remember. So we read on. And in uh, Luke 24 verse 10, we find out the, the women's names. They were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, several other women, and they went and ran as soon as the, the angels had told them that Jesus had ridden. They ran to the, uh, and told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. So here we have another instance where the disciples, where Peter, who was close to Jesus, he's there and he's like, so what happened? But this is crazy because Jesus has already told them. Why? How did everyone forget what Jesus had told them? How did everyone forget? Not one person remembered. They all had to be told by an angel. Why? Well, maybe they weren't listening properly. 
You know, sometimes there's information that we need to receive in our lives. There's information that we need to take notice of that we don't take notice of. We just kind of let it skim over. But you know, that information might just be life-changing. And so, you know what? God wants us to be people that are alert, that take notice, that actually listen and take notice of the important stuff in life. You know, maybe they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Maybe they actually didn't understand. They had never encountered anyone rising again apart from, sorry, Lazarus. But maybe they didn't understand what Jesus was saying, that after three days he would rise again. What rise again? What what do you mean? Maybe they just didn't understand. Or maybe they just decided not to take notice. They were like, nah, can't be bothered. I don't want to take notice. I'm too consumed with what's going on here. I'm not going to take any notice of what you're saying, Jesus. Or maybe it was their grief that overwhelmed them. I feel like I've got a spider crawling up my leg. That's exciting, isn't it? Maybe. (laughs) And I've been bitten by two spiders. So, you know, I I was bitten by a white. I'm just distracting myself. Oh, my goodness, I do that so well. But let me tell you, I was bitten bitten by a red-back spider and a white-tailed spider. They call me Spider Woman. Anyway, getting back to it, right? (laughs) And I'm I'm here to tell the story. Um, Okay. I wasn't bitten by a spider. I don't... Anyway. um, Let's get back to what we're preaching. Reasons why they forgot what Jesus told them. Maybe they were distracted like I distract myself. But you know what? Maybe, just maybe, their grief and their loss and what they were going through because they were close to Jesus, maybe it just overwhelmed them so much that they didn't want to take notice of what was actually going on. But in verse 8 of Luke 24, it says, Then they remembered he had said this. You know, there's so much power about remembering. You know, we all carry our iPhones and we thank God that we can put alerts on our iPhones when someone tells us an important date that's coming up or we need to remember and write a list of our grocery shopping or, you know, to pick up something or a particular errand or we need to ring someone or or whatever. Whatever is important to our lives, we're thankful that we can actually um, create, you know, a calendar alert so that we are reminded and we remember to do that. You know, remembering um, things that are important makes others around us feel important. You know, if you're always forgetting stuff, um, then that really actually can impact the relationships around you. And so remembering is actually very, very powerful. Um, many of you would know that, you know, a few years ago, my my father, my beautiful dad, who I love so much and have just had such a, an amazing relationship with him all my life. I'm the baby of three girls and I think I was the favourite. My mum's not in this service, so I was definitely the favourite, right? And, um, and so, you know, my dad, you know, just is such a, a, a beautiful, soft-hearted, kind-hearted man. Well, a few years ago, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And for those that aren't familiar with what this is, basically this disease impacts your brain and, you know, robs you of your memories. And um, 
to the point where it's so gradual, you end up forgetting, you know, the people that you love, the people closest to you. And so we've had to journey that with my dad and he's now in a nursing home and it's been a very difficult journey for us because we feel like we're just slowly losing, you know, um, someone who is so precious to us. And, and so I will go and visit him. And I think the hardest part of journeying um, this disease with my dad is that he's completely forgotten who I am. And when someone you love, who loves you deeply, forgets who you are, that's tough. That's really hard. And so, you know, there have been many occasions where I've sat with my dad and I've walked into the room and he's just looked at me like I'm another carer walking into the room and, you know, I just sit with him and and he would just look at me blankly like I'm nobody and I'll just try and talk to him. And, of course, that's difficult um, because he, he can't really talk properly. And and uh, But every now and then, sorry, it's Resurrection Sunday. We're meant to be filled with joy. But every now and then, he comes back. And I'll, I'll know when he comes back because his face completely changes. And he'll see me, you know, and he'll be like, he'll look at me. And he'll go, oh, hi, beautiful. Because that's how my dad speaks to me. I be, oh, you're beautiful. That's how my dad speaks. He's such a kind, beautiful man. And literally 10 seconds later, he's gone. But I remember those moments. They are precious to me. And, you know, when we read about the story of the angels declaring to the women, don't you remember? Don't you remember that Jesus told you about this? And then they remember. I believe that there are many times when, as Christians, we forget what God has done for us. We forget that he set us free. We forget that we're victorious. We forget that we are healed. We forget that we have received mercy from him. We forget that he's given us peace. We forget that we have the fruits of the Spirit available to us, peace, joy, love, Oh, we forget that his mercies are new every morning. We forget. And we read that story and we're like, how could they forget? They were told. But we do the same. We do the same. You see, God exceeds all our expectations. And today I want to ask you this. What are you expecting? What are you expecting today? Are you expecting great things from your life. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for every person in this room. And whether you have a relationship with him or not, that plan doesn't change. What changes is whether you actually acknowledge that God is real, he created heaven and earth, and he created you. And we read about it in Psalm 139, where he knit you together, he formed you in your mother's womb, And he did it with great love and he purposed and planned your life out. But here's the thing. We can take our life in our own hands. We can do whatever we want. You know why? Because God has given us the choice to make a free decision whether we acknowledge God with our life or not. If we don't acknowledge God with our life, then we become the leader of our lives and we do whatever we want. 
we're in charge. But here's the thing. I know so many people that live life that way. And the saddest thing is you would think that they would choose that way because it would make them happy. But most times they're actually not. They're going round and round and round and round in circles, but saying no to God. But today, I want to give you an opportunity, if that's you, that you don't have to go round and round and round in circles. All you have to do is actually acknowledge that God created you. He's got a plan and purpose for you. And all he requires of us is to acknowledge that and surrender our lives and lay ourselves down before him and say, God, I'm not going to be in charge anymore. I want you to be in charge. Why? Because he exceeds our expectations. He exceeds our expectations. You see, these women, the disciples, they were focused on all the wrong thing. They'd, been, they'd forgotten what they'd been told. You know, they were, they were focusing on what they'd lost. They were focusing on what had, they'd felt had been taken from them. They were focused on the disappointment. They were focused on the brokenness. Maybe that's you today. Maybe your whole life, you just, your expectation is, you know what, I've had so much disappointment. I've had so much go wrong in my life. When's anything ever going to go right? I'm not going to expect it because I don't want to be hurt. But you know what, God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants to exceed your expectations. He's got so much planned for you. But that plan can't come to pass unless you fully surrender your life to him. And when you do, oh my goodness, it changes everything. I want to acknowledge the people that went through the waters of baptism today. Why? Because they made a brave decision to publicly declare that that's exactly what they've done in their heart, in their life. They've said, God, I'm not in charge anymore of my life. I want you to be the Lord and saviour of my life. And they um, did that, made that decision today. You know, I want to remind us today what the angels reminded the women at the tomb. Remember? Remember what he said? You know, I believe that today there are some things that God wants us to remember. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, chapter, sorry, chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. And he says this, he prays for the church in Ephesus. I also pray that you would understand, understand, remember the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. And this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That is incredible. That the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ, that came into a, what was a dead corpse and brought it back to life is available for you and I today. Do you receive that? Do you believe it? It's hard to believe. We forget. But it's the truth. Why is it the truth? Because it's in the Word of God. And that's what we need to confess and believe. This is good news, friends. This is not bad news. This is good news. All Christians have this power. All Christians have access to this incomparably great power. The resurrection power of Christ is available to us. 
Do you receive it? Do you believe it? Oh, I believe God's going to do some amazing things here in this place today. You know, our task is this, to tap into that and remember. You know, sometimes I believe we can have a type of spiritual dementia where at times we need to be reminded who we belong to and what we have access to because of Christ's death and resurrection. That's why Paul said, I pray for you. I pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power that is us, that that is in us, for us who believe in him. So this is what we have access to, the power to have our sins forgiven. You know, so many people in this world walk around burdened, weighed down by sin, by stuff that they've chosen to do that they know is not right, but it's felt good at the time, they've done it, and now they're paying a price for it. And it's not nice. And you know what the amazing thing about Jesus Christ is? That he knows He knows the weight of that sin and yet that's why he died on the cross to take the weight of that sin. And that's why as Christians we are so grateful that Jesus died on the cross because we don't have to live that way. In fact, we can live in freedom. So he's given us the power. Because of his power, we have all our sins forgiven. Romans 4.25 says, He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Because of what Jesus did, it means that we can be right with God. How amazing is that? The God who created heaven and earth, we have the opportunity to be right with him. That's incredible. That is love. You know, without God, we are slaves to sin. Christ, through his death and resurrection, frees us from the power of that sin. And then sin no longer has a hold on us. That is good news, friends. That is good news. You know what? He's given us the power to conquer sin. Ephesians 4.22 says this, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. This is what these guys did today, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You know, sometimes our thoughts go on a wrong train. And we have thoughts that take us to a place of destruction. But because of the Spirit of God in us, we can actually contain those thoughts and have authority and actually call them out and say, no, I'm not going to go there in my thinking. And we can renew. You know, the Bible says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. This world we live in has patterns and it's patterns to get you involved in sin so that you end up living a life that's horrible, right? Right? 
But the Bible says, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know, we have seen so many people in this campus give their hearts to Jesus Christ and they've made the decision to get rid of their former life. They've made the decision. They've acknowledged that they're a sinner. We're all sinners. The Bible says we all fall short of God's glory. Not one person is perfect. None of us. But thank God, right, we can come before him and we can actually give our, ask him to forgive us of our sins. And there have been so many people in this church. We've had now 58 people give their lives to Christ since January this year. And so it's been amazing. One of the most greatest things is just sitting down with those people and, you know, just seeing some of them be baptised today. I was just standing there just overwhelmed because I remember them walking in to the church months ago, broken, hurting, lost, no future, no hope, just, you know, walking into church, just going, well, I I don't know what to expect. And then just having conversations with them where you just can't get rid of the smile on their faces. And it's not fake. It's real. This is real. This is real. Let me tell you, I wouldn't do this if this isn't real. I wouldn't. But because of the joy that I receive seeing people's lives transformed not conforming to the patterns of this world, but renewing their minds by realizing their need for God and just going, God, I don't understand everything. I don't get it, but you know what? I'm going to give you my life. And then starting to see them on that journey, seeing that growth is just amazing. We have been given the power to have sins forgiven by Jesus Christ, power to conquer sin, renewing our thoughts, You know what? He's also given us, because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, the power to witness to people. We are his ambassadors. Ephesians Ephesians 4.20 says, We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I just fathom, I can't fathom the fact that God would want to use me and you to be his representatives on this earth. We are his ambassadors. That's why it matters that we live as Christians and we don't just say we're Christians, but we actually outwork God in our lives. Otherwise, it just confuses people. I'm a Christian, but yeah, I do whatever I want. No, 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 hang on, it doesn't work like that. It's I'm a Christian and I do whatever God wants me to do. I'm available, I'm fully available to him. Yes, I mess up, but thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. He helps me and I'm growing and I'm becoming more and more like Jesus as I grow. We've got the power to be his ambassadors. We've got the power to be transformed into his likeness. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says this, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We have access to this. The power to overcome the enemy. You know, so many times we believe, including myself, and I have to always just get rid of the lies. The enemy wants to lie to you. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. 
Sorry, that's just the truth. It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. But it goes on, doesn't finish there. It says, Jesus came that we may have life and life to the full. And I want to ask you today, are you living a full life? Are you living an abundant life? You know, you can go through hard stuff, but here's the thing. When you do it with God, it's different. Because God strengthens your inner self. He strengthens who you are. Why? Because it's not you, it's God in you. And it's different. You have the power to overcome the enemy. So when the enemy is lying to you, saying stuff like, you're not good enough, who do you think you are? You can't say that. What are you doing? That's the enemy. And when the enemy says that to you, you can just say, get lost. You're under my feet. That's what the Bible says. We've got to remember this. In fact, Luke 10, 19 says, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and spiders and crush them. It doesn't say spiders. I just add that in there just for fun. Nothing will injure you. We have that authority, but we forget. We forget. But we've been told because the Bible tells us we've been given authority over the enemy. Here's what we need to remember today. We've been set free because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Resurrection, we've been made whole. We've been redeemed. We're more than conquerors. We were once lost, but now we're found. We have peace. We have joy. We've been fully restored. We are healed. We are forgiven. We are victorious. We are reconciled to God. We are rich in mercy and we have received His grace. That's what we need to remember. Not be focused on all the stuff going on in our lives that would take us away from just seeing Jesus. You know, there's a beautiful passage of Scripture that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And it says this, Now all glory to God, who is able. You see, I believe there are people here today and you're like, I don't think God is able to change my situation. Well, I just want to say this. Don't forget to remember the Word of God says He is able. He is able. He is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Wow. Are you receiving this? Are you hearing this? So I want to ask you today, what are you asking God for? Maybe you haven't asked God for anything. Today, I want to challenge you. God sees you. He hears you. He loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. And He wants you to ask Him. Ask Him. Reach out to Him. What are you thinking that God could do for you? Maybe it's not that much. Maybe your expectations are small. Maybe you're looking amongst the dead for what is living. Maybe, maybe your expectations 
have gone so low that you're not expecting anything anymore. Well, I want to encourage you today. We have a God that is able. He is able. He is able. Don't forget to remember all the things that He has done for us. He will exceed our expectations. And I want to finish with this amazing passage of Scripture in Ephesians 4, uh, 2, verse 4 to 6. It says this, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that we've been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly places, in heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. Here's this. We are not saved by our works. We are saved for good works. That's where we're seated, in heavenly places. It changes everything. Changes all our perspective. Today, let's remember what Christ did for us. Let's remember that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to speak to some people here today. We don't want to embarrass anyone. But, you know, maybe you're here today and someone invited you and you don't normally come to church and you're hearing this message and you're like, well, I haven't really ever thought about God and I don't go to church and I just kind of live my life. But maybe today you have decided that maybe you want to give God a try. You want to acknowledge God with your life. I believe there are people here that want to say yes to God, that want to give your life to God. And how do you do that? Well, you know what's amazing is God loves, loves, loves us so much that He made it so simple. That all it is, is what we believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth, the Bible says, we are saved. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer. And all it is, is just acknowledging that you need God in your life. Asking Him to forgive you of all your sin. And then making a decision to follow Him for the rest of your life. You may not know what that looks like. That's okay. You don't need to know everything. But all it is is just a simple decision to give your life to Jesus. So I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer and repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my need for You. I thank you for sending Jesus to die and rise again for my sins so that I can be made whole, so that I can live out his purpose. Today, I invite Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Saviour. I throw off my former life. I thank you that you've forgiven all my sin. And I receive Jesus today. 